hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 211. Welcome yourself all to the second go at episode 211. After, in unprecedented babble development, we got quite a long way into recording an episode before we remembered that we'd already done it a few months yeah. ago. <laughs> we were just about to do the same yeah. episode again. Yes. I've sort of well long wondered us. when this point might arise. Um, yes. And it turns out after 211 episodes. There you we wouldn't go. Think we... it was po- you wouldn't think it was possible. It is possible. It is possible. Yes. Good. Uh, We are Sustainababble. We are your friendly little uh, short-term memory-lacking podcast all about (laughs) people and the planet and why, despite everything being noised and wondering what the point is, we can have a little chuckle and a think about it every now and then, yes? Yes. And what is the point, Al? Well, what is the point? That is the point. What is the point is the point. We got sent a brilliant email. We'll tell you who from and all of that once we get into it. But we got sent a brilliant email by someone basically saying, what do you say to people when they say, what's the point? And we thought, well, we've got some views on that. But that is also a really fascinating, interesting, profound question. And we thought the Babble Army might have views on that. So we asked you and you told us. So this episode is all going to be about answering that question. What is the point? Really fascinating stuff. Loads to get into. And also actually very upbeat yes well we're going to try to be anyway we shall give it a go so before any of that just the usual disclaimer we do work for environmental charities do we not all yeah sorry i put an easter Easter egg in my mouth oh you and your easter eggs how many is that now i don't know but i've got a hell of a lot to get through (laughs) anyone who has sent easter eggs to baby all one and baby all two hoping that they ended up in the sticky mitts of baby all one and baby all two may be disappointed to learn that all is currently troughing a massive pile of chocolate i'm looking out for my children and protecting their teeth and their you know well-being Mm, how is your teeth and well-being absent increasingly (laughs) absent (laughs) <laughs> These are very much our own views anyway. So if you don't like anything that we say, take it up with me and all, but not with anyone for whom we work. Yes? If you do take it up with us, or no, if you do take it up with people who, whom we work, they'll say, what's the point? And we agree. What is the point? Uh, but I'll tell you what there is a point in, and that is chipping into the running costs of the Babble. We are a listener-funded podcast. If you would like to join the small but growing and very loyal army of Babble fans who give us a few quid a month just to keep this show on the road, please do so at bubblywubblywubbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. Yes? Yes. Good. Stop eating. More talking. Okay. Answer my question. Right, so shut up and answer my question. What um, question? This, well, not actually my question. This is Joe's question. Joe from Letchworth, who sent us an email a while back now, in which she said, This I have been asked on more than one occasion, so what's the point? I believe in climate change, but surely by trying to change the way we live, we're just prolonging the inevitable. And Joe goes on to say, I know one of the answers is do it for your kids, but that doesn't seem to cut it. And people just aren't that bothered about the quality of life of their unborn grandkids. So do you, the Babble Army, or at least Dave and I, have any other cunning ways to answer that one to convince more people to change the way they live? And we thought, Mm. well, we've got some ideas. Yes. Some ideas. 
But we wanted the Babel Army's ideas, and we put it out to the Babel Army. I think it was the end of the Jobs episode, uh, 206, was that one? Maybe. Very good, Al. Very yes. good. I am strangely getting a little bit better at this, aren't I? Yeah, you, do, you, you were the one who remembered we'd already done that episode we were going to do before. <laughs> very, very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. It's all that chocolate, you see. Anyway, so we put it out. We put it out uh, at the end of 206, and loads of you sent us really cool stuff, emailed us, and then a few of you sent us little voice snippets, which we are going to pepper liberally throughout this episode at the appropriate points. But first... We thought we'd just have a little musing, bit of Dave and Owl musing as to well, what is the point. So, Dave, well, I mean, what is what is the point? What's your point? What's your point, Dave? Bed, beds for sleeping people. Let's get a kebab and go to a disco. I will answer that, Owl, but first I want to ask you about something else entirely. Oh. Um, the thing I want to ask you about is a thing you sent me earlier today. When you sent me a thing, and this really is quite a dis- quite a different things to talk about you sent me a thing going isn't science amazing and the thing you sent me the thing isn't mm. science amazing about was about a muon yes and i didn't read the thing beyond the thing that said muon and what i would like you to do now in 30 seconds please is explain to me and the Babel army why a muon is so amazing go a muon is a particle and it doesn't behave the way that laws of physics say things should behave and this is exciting because for a long time, scientists have been trying to work out why, if all of the laws of physics are being obeyed, which they seem to be, we still don't understand some really fundamental things about the universe. And the fact that they found a particle, the muon, that does different things when put to a magnetic field, suggests that actually there is something different going on and there years trying to work out what this particle that has the particle exists for like milliseconds uh-huh. well oh so on the question of what's the point i was thinking about this and i thought we need some wisdom that's what we need we need some need a wise answer to this question because joe said and she quite rightly said she's like look i know all of the sort of shit that people she didn't say this i'm saying this i know all the sort of shit <laughs> no, that people joe, joe wrote a polite calm email <laughs> we're yes. turning it into babble speak Babble swearing. Babble, um, but, but she said, like, I know, all the, I know all the answers. I know what people say, which is do it for your kids. But that doesn't cut it. And I don't want to give the kind of glib answer to this. And there are, so here are some glib answers that I'm going to say, but I'm not giving them. I'm saying them and not giving them, right? So right. The, glib, the glib thing that I'm saying but not saying mm-hmm. is uh, what else you got? Like, why? what are you going to do? Just sit back and watch as the planet that you live on goes down to Swanee. Um, I think that's a thing, but that doesn't necessarily persuade anyone who can't be bothered. Like, if it's not a, that is not a particularly persuasive argument, I don't think. You may think otherwise, but I do not think that in itself. That's my, that's where I come from. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? Like, you're just going to like sit back and see this beautiful world go down the toilet when you could make a teeny weeny, but potentially bigger difference? No. So, no. there's that. I, well, I... I'm not com- not clear now whether this is a thing you're saying. I'm not saying a thing it. you're saying, but you're not saying. If I was but, saying it, what would you think about it? Okay, right. I, well, I always think that that is also how I am motivated. Like when 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 I lifted my eyes to the reality of what was going on around us, my reaction was I can't not do something about this or not try to do something about this. But I don't think that is that just banging on at other people in those terms 
is a good way to motivate them if they are not already self-motivated. So I don't, yes, I wouldn't say it even though you're saying it without saying it. Yes, uh, neither of us are saying it. I think even we're clear though, on that. Even yeah. though it's what the actual answer is for us. Yeah. But we're not saying <laughs> We're not saying that. But that's the point. It's That is how you and I are kind of motivated, or at least is one of our motivations. But what yes. Joe is asking is, what do you say to people who aren't motivated by that? Yes. And you can't just say, oh, I'm motivated because of this, and therefore you should be. Like, a, that is a thing that is very clear. That is not yes. how people work. People. What a bunch of bastards. And the other thing that is a glib answer that I'm not saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, is just tell them to stop being such a bunch of selfish inhoffs and bloody well care about the planet and don't they care, don't they care, where were they in school when caring vouchers were being handed out. And I don't think that is particularly helpful either. Even no. though the temptation to do that is sodding strong sometimes, right? It is very strong. Stop and it being is, it such is. an inhoff. Exactly, and it was articulated very well by Babel listener Amelie, who said this. What I want to say is don't be such a selfish knobhead, but um, that normally gets people's backs up, so don't go for that. What I actually normally go for in that scenario, and it's a bit of a cliche, I realise this, what I try to do is to lead by example. Um, If someone sees me doing something, then they're more likely to do it too. And also by doing that, we can start to create like a cultural shift where everyone starts to give a shit about the planet. Then hopefully it will become taboo not to care about the planet. And I think that's what I'm aiming or I hope that we can start to create. I mean, people follow the most ridiculous fashions. You you look back in history and you look at, you know, those long curly toed shoes people used to wear in the 15th century. I think... If that can ever have been fashionable, then we can make looking after the planet fashionable too. I think that is a very good point. A very good point. And I think Oh, you both... should give give the shout out. Give the shout out for Amelie's thing before you forget. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Amelie, as well as making two very good points, which I want to come back and talk about, she has also made a, a thing. Uh, she's made a very good thing, a professional thing, a obviously lovingly made thing. And that thing is called Five Years From Now. And it's it's an audio drama, really, focusing on the on climate change and plastic pollution. And it's kind of what Amelie says is written in response to the kind of seeming lack of action on climate change and made in the hope that it could be used as a resource to spread the word. And I think it's good at doing that. I urge you to go and listen to it. So go on Spotify or Acast or iTunes, any of those normal places you find the babble and search for five years from now uh, by Amelie Edwards. And yeah. Enjoy it, share it, spread the word because it's very good. It's day 166 and we're about to switch on the carbon converter for the first time. So here it goes in five, four, three, two, one. Hang on, I'll see if I can get it going. Is it switched on at the wall? Yes, it's switched on at the wall. Yes, so Amelie makes some good points in that, don't she? Um, I think the thing about... Uh, so I, I do genuinely think, Joe from Letchworth, I think this is a good answer, which is about the kind of ripple effect and yeah. about fashions and social norms, right? And we have talked about this before in the Babel, like not least in the kind of virus episode, episode 170, but since then as well, when we've said, like, 
if the last year shows us anything, it's that people's attitudes to stuff that seems like it is definitely always going to be the case can change really, really quick. Right yeah. now, virus is not necessarily a good model for that for all sorts of reasons, but yet we are such weird bags of water, aren't we, humans? Well, it's not like, a good model, but but response to the virus is in that you know there was all that hoo ha in within government saying we can't lock down too early because you know people will get bored of it and they won't do it and everything. Whereas what actually happened is that you know when we saw everyone behaving in a certain way, we were like, we better behave that way. Yeah. That is normal. That is that is the social normal way to behave and so we i will all... be ostracized i will be chucked out of the group i will be treated exactly. treated be, awfully be, and i will be insecure i'll be dropped from the herd and mm. so we, and we just don't know we just cannot possibly tell where the tipping points are ahead of us for like massive changes in behavior or attitudes or values but they're definitely ahead of us they might be ahead of us tomorrow they might be ahead of us six months two years whatever but they're definitely ahead of us and we can't pretend that what has gone before is what's always going to go ahead the, the other point i think she makes very strongly is just the kind of show don't tell and i i, I was really struck i've talked about this on babble before how like my a good mate my, my oldest mate sort of said to me once by the way i've started eating a lot less meat mainly because you don't and he was like but if you'd ever told me to not eat much meat or to eat less meat i would have told you to do one but the fact that you just have changed your diet and kind of quietly got on with it. Uh, he obviously doesn't listen to the babble where I'm not it's quietly, quietly getting on with it. <laughs> um, but that, you know, I'm not telling that story as a way to big myself up or maybe a little bit. It has uh, a happy side it, effect it of doing really, so. I guess it told me two things. One, that like your actions do actually have an impact on the people around you. And two, how rare it is for anyone to tell you that your actions have had an impact. And you never know. So I suppose... The logical thing to say from that is make sure you're telling people when you're doing a thing differently because of their actions and you're inspired by them because it's really, really important to get to get that feedback and, and everyone then redoubles their efforts. Oh, I've remembered a thing that I started saying and then started asking you about muons instead. Oh, um, yeah. So, um, wisdom. Wisdom mm. all. That's what we need to answer this question. And wisdom I thought wisdom all is missing in action, I'm afraid. But um, <laughs> <laughs> send him an email. Sassy all is very much here. I can see. Oh. Um, what oh. we need, what we need, is some wisdom. And I thought, where can we get some wisdom off off? And what I did was consult the wisdom of friend of the babble, Jonathan Rowson. Now go back and listen to episode 163 for our very very good chat and live chess game with chess grandmaster Jonathan Rowson, who has a PhD in wisdom. And he wrote a thing. He wrote it a few years ago now, and it's a thing called the Seven Dimensions of Climate Change. And what that is is he says there are basically how many seven dimensions of climate change and what he means by that all is that there are seven right different ways of thinking about climate change seven if you like dimensions so that's what he's getting at is that there are seven different right stop that silly in order for us to fix climate change he doesn't like that's why he doesn't like the idea of fixing but anyway we need to see rapid change in 
science, so like how the science is engaged with, in behaviour, what people do about it, in technology, so like green tech everywhere, in democracy, go back and listen to episode 192 for more on that, so like people actually voting for governments that are actually delivering on climate action, economy, so the money going in the right place, law, so we're banning the wrong things, and culture, whereby like we just talk about this stuff and it's what we do, right? And I've always found that a very useful way of thinking in general about like what climate change is which is a massively complex thing that no one answer to it will solve there was a friend of mine um in fact two friends of mine both of which have been on the babble were uh, both separately sent me a thing earlier this week which was a post on twitter that that ash sarkar had done you know that ash sarkar i do yeah yeah um lefty luxury communism now that's it left lefty luxury communist pierce morgan baiting um Good person, I think. Good I do think she's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Not, I, I, think, I don't know her, but I see her stuff on Twitter and on the media in general, and I think she's very cool, actually. And yeah. she said a thing about, and I, I promise there's a reason for this, she said a thing about personal carbon budgets, personal carbon footprints, which is a thing we haven't ever really talked about on the Babylon, and maybe we should. Um, but it's the idea that, well, everyone is responsible for their own little patch of carbon, and, as, and what needs to happen is governments need to kind of, you know, give you your amount of carbon that you spend, and if everyone does that, then it's all fine right and she had gone that's bollocks that is that is like the oil companies trying to get off the hook for being oil companies which struck me instinctively as a kind of babbly sort of view as in the sort of thing we might say we talked about how that's kind of how litter works is that big plastic companies have said like litter is all your fault and it's not our fault it's also exactly a thing i said on the guardians football weekly uh a few weeks (gasps) ago is it yeah did you precisely say that? Yeah. I used oh. the same example that she used on Twitter about like BP inventing the whole idea of a oh, carbon you footprint. Did. I did yeah. listen. It's just that I've seemed to be listening. forgetting things recently. No, I did. Mm. I did listen. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, the point being that the debate that, that people are saying is like, what do I make of that then? To which I actually honestly think it's neither one thing or the other. It's not like the only way to fix climate change is just smash the system, nor is it the only way to fix climate change is just individuals acting on stuff. It's both and loads of other stuff as well. And like politics and money and the law and the way that we as squishy little bags of water talks to each other and the stuff we actually do and that's what mr jonathan rousen is getting at dr jonathan rousen no less and it's what i think is the most interesting answer to this kind of question to say to someone is look at all of this stuff that has to change no one of us can change more than a tiny bit of that but it's so complex but also massively interlinked change one bit of it you start to change other bits of it and change can happen really quick Yeah, I mean, it's a silly, silly question, but one that gets asked all the time, which is, what's the one thing we should do to, you know, change, to fix the climate? Or what's the one thing we should do to clean up the oceans? What is your answer um, to that question? My, my answer to that question is that there isn't, well, exactly what you just said. There isn't one uh, thing. There is uh, no one thing we can do. It's an absurd question. Everything has got to change. But that's instead of being that slightly overwhelming, well, if everything's got to change, then we're buggered. I think what you just expressed is is actually very hopeful, which is that once a couple of things start changing, because they're all linked, things are going to change a hell of a lot quickly, uh, more quickly than we think they might. Talking pig. That's what we need, all. Talking pig. You talked about this before, and I still yeah. don't... I didn't get it then, and I'm not going to get it now. But here, go on then. Tell me about well, your talking pig. 
If if I had if someone said to me if Bill Gates when he stopped putting microchips in my gran if he <laughs> said to me uh, right here you are Dave I've got your gran doing my bidding now would you like a trillion pounds to do one thing to save the planet I would make everyone think that or perhaps actually do a talking pig to make a pig talk and You'd I'd make, make it... everyone do a talking pig no no I'd like if ideally create a talking pig but i don't know how to do that and i suspect a lot of cruelty would be involved so the only thing actually has to happen is people genuinely thinking that pigs can talk right and not just talk but kind of talk you know like you talk kind of nicely and that they can say in quite reasoned tones they can say hello i'm a pig lovely to see you could you stop eating me and my family please Right, and I think I if see, you did, that, I see you're approaching me with a stun gun, which is <laughs> which is lovely. And I just wondered whether you might not do that. Could you, Thanks could you awfully. Not, Thanks could you not? So the thing much. is, that'll hurt. <laughs> that'll hurt, and I cry. And then do you maybe think the you pig... might leave my children with me at this stage, rather than sort of taking them away? Yeah. yeah thanks thank you yeah. okay because i think if we did that i think it would be very much like the star trek film first contact i think it would change our perception of our species in a fundamental and immediate and rapid way if we actually ascribed some of the qualities that we think are so special about humans and we ascribe that to other creatures and i think that would be the change of consciousness that would happen incredibly quick that is my flippant but underneath it somewhere i think a germ of uh, usefulness response to what i would do anyway none of this is helping shut up <laughs> you are a germ of usefulness. Hi, Ollie and Dave. In answer to the question posed a few episodes ago, my view is different people respond to different arguments. And so I'm always trying to get them to at least care more or take more action rather than promote some kind of purist ideal about how they should behave. Otherwise, you could just end up turning them off and getting no change at all. I also like to focus on what they might see as the positives and get them to feel proud of their actions. When I come across somebody who thinks there's no point in them personally taking action because they think it won't make a difference, my response is, you're right. But that's the case for everyone. No single person in the world can fix climate change. However, millions of people choosing the sustainable option and supporting the call for governments and business to take action all adds up. Just look at the way investment is now shifting towards sustainable products and services, how government action and targets are increasing, and more and more businesses are putting sustainability as their core purpose. Some of it is greenwashing and spin, but a lot of it is not, and it's making a difference, and it's all increasing. So that was friend of the Babel and Babel listener Sam Longman saying wise things, more wisdom from the Babel army. And I think there's a very, very wise point in there, which is, of course, the fact that the answer to Joe's question depends on who your audience is. We should have probably talked about that from the off. It depends who's asking and what their starting point is and what their kind of involvement in all of this climate shindiggery is um because it matters it matters hugely and yeah i mean clearly sam is someone who has all these conversations across kind of different audiences working with people he talking to people he works with talking to people um that are just kind of mildly interested and all the rest of it and that is yeah that's a that's a powerful point and one I, to be honest one i struggle with because i spend so much of my life banging on to people in a sort of professional capacity about climatey stuff, I actually find it really hard to talk to like normal people about climatey stuff because I just I I don't really know what level to pitch it at, which well, sounds patronising, and... but I don't mean it like that. I mean I don't know how to not bore people. 
you just lack basic communication and social skills. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. At least now I can sort of blame the pandemic for that. That's a silver lining, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just a complete knob because it's been difficult to, you know, socialise over the last 12 years. That's, that's the reason. All programmes have now been suspended on all channels to allow the broadcast of this film held in reserve for times of crisis. Where have you gone? Where have you gone? Dave's gone. Where's my Dave? Ah! <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Where are you, Dave? Where are you, Dave? I think oh, my, you're there. I think my connection went funny. I think it's back now. Yes. Hello. I was Good. just about to call you. Did you hear, by the way, on that note, Hol, did you hear that one of the best-selling apps in lockdown has been the one that makes your Zoom connection appear to be malfunctioning to other people so that you can so that you can go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm afraid the line's very... And then you can just naff off, yeah. I think you'll have a lot more usage now the pubs are opening up again. That's for damn sure as mustard. Anyway, that wasn't what I was doing then. I just Yeah. Great, isn't it? Very clever. Um, or apparently it does Very things good. like plays baby noises in the background. So you can go, oh, I've got a, the, the baby. I've got to go get the baby. Or like a doorbell <laughs> that you can go and answer. It's amazing. I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but it sounds absolutely fab. Um, and if anyone that I work with is listening to this, I definitely don't use that app. Now, that Robin no. Webster was saying you don't have the same conversation in general that you have with bloke you meet for the first time in the pub and your uncle. You don't have the same conversation about anything. You don't treat them the same way. You don't. There's all sorts of. Um, oh, no. uh, well, uh, I've been learning about this all um, bollocks. I've forgotten. But there's a thing. I'm reading a book called. <laughs> You've Conflicted. been learning about bollocks. Yeah, Good. I've been learning about I'm bollocks. I'm glad you're learning about bollocks. Men's health is very co- important. People don't talk about it enough. High context and low context conversations. Oh, um, that when the more you know someone, the more of a high context conversation you have, whereby you are saying some words with your mouth, but you're saying loads of other things as well because you know someone. So you're saying things about the relationship you have with that person. You're saying things about how you feel. You're communicating things. And the more okay. you know someone, the more a high context conversation it is. And the more you can have conversations about, e.g., climate change, that uh, reflect the relationship and the uncertainties and who that person is. If it's some person you meet for the first time, it is a low context conversation at all, where basically the words you use are likely to be quite important, as well as like the first impressions that you and the other person have of each other. So it's kind of low context, but high stakes, because mm. like you get it a bit wrong and they might go, oh, that dude's a bit annoying, never going to st- talk to him again. Sam also makes a really good point about green technology. I just wanted to flag the thing that over Easter... Did you see this? Yes, I know you saw it. It's in the doc and you commented on it. Sorry to shatter the fourth wall again. Um, Did you see it anyway, Al? Did you see it? Oh, uh, no, what's this, Dave? This was the news that over Easter, Britain's electricity system was the, quote, greenest ever when fossil fuels only generated something like 20% of all... Uh, of the electricity used, and all the rest was mostly renewables and a bit of nuclear. How yeah. about now, that? Point of order, this is the stuff that in Babel's past you have had a massive go at me for talking about. And you're what? like, oh, what? oh electricity grid decarbonisation, this grams of... I uh, haven't! You have. You always say it's boring, and I always say it's important. And it's now... The, it is, no! No! It's boring <laughs> when you do it. 
<laughs> I suppose the way I do it is boring. Okay, fine. Well, yeah, because you always talk about it from the point of view of like targets and from the point of view of like what a politician has to do is they have to set precisely the right incentive framework. Whereas I'm going, I don't care about bollocks. any of that. What's, that's absolutely bollocks. What I'm doing, this is you, if you were having a conversation with bloke in the pub and bloke in the pub was going, what's the point? Why you are wouldn't you so say, bloke, well, why bloke in the pub? Do you ever talk to anyone who isn't a bloke? Yes. <laughs> Name one person you've spoken to. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shut up and listen, right? If you have a, blo- a conversation with a bloke or a blokeess in the pub and Jesus they and, and you want to make them feel that change is happening really fast, like Sam says, then you wouldn't say this is all down to the government's 50 grams per carbon hour by milligram second of decarbonisation, which well, is what no, you bang on about. Because they didn't you adopt would it, say, did they? Because the Lib Dems screwed that up <sighs> in 2013. Anyway. You are now a Lib Dem. You've moved <laughs> to Lib Dem. You are one. Okay. Well, I suppose I'm represented. I'm representable. Look, look, this is getting very silly and I've got a child to put to sleep in 14 minutes. So, uh, right. Let's so I'm just saying, what you would say is, is look how is, fast this stuff is changing. Look how fast we it's We have changing. all done that together. That look is how fast it's changing. I distinctly remember being in school and asking a geography teacher, so how much of our electricity then comes from like solar panels and stuff now? And they were like, oh, about like 1% or less than 1%. And I was like... Oh, okay. Well, that's never going to be important then, is it? And it is. And like, bloody hell, this has changed even much more recently than that. A friend of the babble, Joss Garman, writes a very good newsletter. You should go and check it out on Substack. And he said in it that a decade ago, about 40% of the UK's electricity came from coal and just 3% from wind and solar. By 2020, that has completely reversed. It's it like... It's amazing. And I know it's not enough. I know we've got to do more. I know the government's not doing all the right things, but I don't care because it just shows you how fast big, good stuff is changing. Hi, I'm Arabella, and you're listening to Sustainable. For everyone who feels like they can't make a difference without money, power, or influence, my advice to you is this. Don't compare yourself to other people, but to the other version of your own life. If you made just one change, such as swapping to reusable cups, imagine how many disposable cups you would save over a year or five years compared to if you'd not made that change. I would also say don't underestimate the power of your voice as a consumer. Someone once told me that if you have a concern about a company, at least a hundred other people would have had that same concern. They just haven't voiced it. So use your voice start conversations and remember that even if you can't see it that doesn't mean you're not making a difference and inspiring change miles and miles on my own. isabella is wise dave isabella fisk isabella fisk oh Yes, Isabella is wise. And uh, two things I think Isabella is particularly wise about. Oh, firstly, I love the thing about being the best version of yourself, right? I love yeah. I love that. I love the idea love of that. saying to someone, like, just do it because it's really good. You will, this thing you would really feel good if you did. Like, I really like that. Not, it doesn't have to be transactional. It doesn't have to be about, like, if you do this, then I can guarantee you another thing is going to happen. It's not like, if you buy this thing, you'll guarantee you you'll have a nice experience. It's like, no. Yeah, but isn't, isn't she more sort of... Comp- isn't she really making the point that, like, if you compare yourself to, to what other people are doing or not doing, then you immediately go down a kind of 
rabbit hole. So yeah. it's, it's more yeah, like yeah, yeah. just okay. just focus on yourself is I think the point that she's making now. Like, okay, what can I do? What's the different version of myself that doesn't do this or does this thing over here that I'm not currently doing? Yeah, yeah, okay. But I do think it comes from a place of going like, maybe this is my spin on it. Sorry, Izzy. Then maybe what I've done is put my own put my own thingy on it. But like, I I heard in that an appeal to kind of be yourself. Yeah, and like, yes, definitely. Do yourself do yourself a favor and try and live a good life because that's a good thing to do. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if that will cut it with the person Joe from Letchworth is talking to, but for some people it will. Again, back to the audience thing, like. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people who are now changing their lifestyle and stuff, are doing it because they, it, it, their values say, "Yeah, I should do this." Right? And it resonates with them. Exactly. Exactly. And I think one of the kind of strange things about the conversations, the kind of conversations that Joe is talking about, is that weirdly people are looking for some sort of permission or direction, or like they're looking for you to give it to them. And it's what you always say about like the reason you're vegan. It's like it's just it's my choice. It's a personal thing. Like you make your own choice. Do what you got to do, but don't come looking to me to validate or otherwise your actions. Like be at peace with what you're doing. And you know that doesn't work in all circumstances because if there's an inhof being an inhof, yes. you can't just say yeah, be at peace with being an inhof. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't come by yar your way out of that one. I'm afraid. <laughs> no, exactly. No, yeah, but I think it is. You know, it's it's a very true and wise thing that actually this it has to come from within and so the the first thing we should all do is focus on within on, on ourselves but conversely that second point that she's making is also true yeah. which is that we are not alone don't underestimate how many other people are thinking the same things you're thinking doing the same things you're doing but just not necessarily talking about it no one is to stone anyone until i blow this whistle do you understand even and i want to make this absolutely clear even if they do say Jehovah. Pluralistic ignorance. Oh, we've talked about this before Ooh. on the babble. Pluralistic ignorance. The emperor's new clothes. One of the most common things in psychology, one of the most common things in all surveys and social science and all of that stuff is that people think that other people are less likely to think a thing that they think. So people really, yes, really the values often, perception gap, right? The values perception gap. We, but really, really often think, um, oh, I must be the only person who thinks this. And I'm not going to say it because I'll look really weird. And then actually, when someone says it, you'll suddenly find a hundred other people going, "Yeah, me too. I agree with that." Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do agree with that. Um, so yeah, say it. I love that, and I love the fact, that, yeah, the idea of kind of a hundred people aren't saying something. If you think it, we know this with Babel emails, by the way, like people will email to the Babel yeah. about a thing and sometimes they'll feel like they have said like, oh, maybe it's only me that thinks this, but X, it's not only you because we get hundreds of other people saying it as well. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. out there who think stuff. Yeah, you are not alone if you care about this stuff and... Very encouragingly, you are not alone if you care about this stuff despite that their pandemic, because you there is research that shows you are not alone. Research that shows uh, that despite the pandemic, people care more about climate change than they did before. And this flies in the face of like all of that right wing nonsense of like, oh, now there's a real crisis. No one cares about the planet anymore. Not, not true. true. If anything, people are caring about it more because 
The pandemic has made us focus on things that really matter, not focus on the material nonsense. And that links me to a thing I saw this week, which I sent to you, Dave. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it. I haven't. I haven't. haven't. I've seen this doing the rounds. Okay. We will play a little clip of it. But there is a uh, a radio station here in the UK called Talk Radio, and it's very much modelled on that kind of combative talk radio thing that made its name in the States. Not known for being a beacon of kumbaya, hippie, dippy, don't we love the polar bears? And there was a thing on it this week where somebody from Extinction Rebellion, Gail Bradbrook, who's one of the founders of Extinction Rebellion, was defending an action taken by XR activists where they've been smashing the windows of Barclays Bank. And on the other side of the debate was friend of the babble, Dale Vince, who was actually saying, I'm not sure that this is the best way to go about winning hearts and minds. I wanted to ask Gail, actually, how would you feel if I'd gone around her house after that event and smashed the windows? Yeah, how does that work, girl, if, if Dale comes and puts your windows in? Well, you know, it may well happen. As I said, people who've done uh, social change protests in the past have been subject to violent abuse. And I, I hope you're not in any way trying to encourage that, Dale. No, well, no that, but you, you, you're, saying, you're saying smashing windows is OK. I'm not saying smashing any and every window is OK. It's and at first, my reaction to that clip was, oh, God. The last thing we need is like green on green action. Because Dale Vince, as you know, is big old hippie. Um, Go back and listen to episode 46 for more on us talking to Dale Vince. Yeah, like seriously green dude. And so you're like, no, 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 we don't need green people criticising green people because, you know, that just undermines it at all. And then I realised that I'd spent five, ten minutes listening to this uh, talk radio spot in which at no point... Did anyone question that we need to have like effective climate protest? You know, the host was going, well, is this a good way to do it or not? And Dale Vince was saying no. And Gail Bradbury was saying yes. But the whole debate on talk radio was like, what's the best way to win people over to protesting climate change? Yeah, yeah. And I know it's just a little thing, but usually that would be some hired gun on there going well climate change is made up by the chinese or some other nonsense and it, and it wasn't like things have really really shifted i remember the last time i went on i thought i went on talk radio the last bit of radio i did before i stopped for a bit um you may notice that i started again but the, the last bit of radio i did was on talk radio and i expected and it was about green stuff it was an hour-long phone in and i expected someone to call in and say it's all bollocks. And not a single person did. And bearing in mind that a lot of people, they will, the producers will have put someone on who had that opinion. I think that really tells you something, right? Definitely. Right, good. Now, look, you've got to put your kids to bed, haven't you, Al? Correct. Yes. So should Sorry, we... sorry, Mrs. Ol. <laughs> Very and sorry. I'm, it's I'm quite... fault. It's not my fault. It's well, sort of my fault. It's our fault. Yeah, it's, it's no more fault. than fifty percent my fault. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry for delaying you while I've prevaricated, procrastinated, slowed you down, really taken far too long to do the thing that I said I would do. <sighs> You're very I'm funny, and very clever. Very, very sorry. Carry on. <laughs> Just well, that's it, isn't it? Look, I think we've joked. I hope this helps answer your question. We had one more really good bit of audio. We're going to put at the end because we couldn't quite structurally knit it in from Crystal over in the states, Crystal York um, or Canada. Oh, sorry, Crystal states. I think um, who just who a slightly different tone was more just saying reminding the court why this stuff matters and what moves her. And it's really nice. We'll put we'll bung that at the end of the episode. I think. Yeah. Thank you so much to all the people who wrote in and, and, and gave us stuff and we didn't use. Thank you for that. 
that. But yeah, hopefully useful. Do drop us a note. Do email us, hello at sustainababble.fish. Do tweet us at the Babble Wagon or find us on Facebook at Sustainababble. If you have other things to add, other thoughts, and we will um, somehow share the best at some point in the future. Yes? Super. Things that went well and things that could have gone better. Now, things that went well and things that could have gone better. This is our feedback section, the appraisal oh. of Babel's past. And this I is think the section where th- people say all has done stuff wrong normally. No, they don't. I think we all saw this one coming. Do you know um, how many emails we've had this week about how you can put Coke into cans and not glass? None. None. But you know how many yes. emails we have had about that? <laughs> well, a few yes. in the past. Anyway, look, moving on. We haven't got time for this. Things that could have gone better include Dave saying that plastic Easter eggs aren't sustainable. Uh, unsustainable. Uh, Dave, you're wrong. Why are you wrong? Uh, well, I said that I was in my rather hefty defence. We talked in the last episode about these things called eco-eggs, which turned out to be plastic Easter eggs. And, uh, and I didn't know what they were for. I was like, what is eco about making a plastic Easter egg? I did say I've never had an Easter egg hunt. And Mrs. Dave very kindly did me an Easter egg hunt as a result. To the, which what, What's happened is that I keep finding little Easter eggs in unusual crevices. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and But it turns out two people, so Laura Berry on Twitter and Fraser Wilkinson on the email, got in touch and said, no, 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 mate, mate, mate mate you're a cretin what this is for is for and i'm I'm saying a thing i know you'll notice a hundred people know a thing when one person emails in right so i know that at least 200 people listening know this you you, they you put sweets in them so you open them up like a kinder surprise or something and you put like sweets in them and then you hide those in the garden and then the kids are hunting for eggs but inside the eggs are little sweeties and like little teeny weeny chocolates and that's what they're for right yeah um yes which, now that it's been pointed out to us, and I must say, like, very gently and kindly by Laura um, yes. and Fraser, like, yes. <laughs> using using gentle language, like, I think you might have missed the point. Yes. Um, which was very kind of you. Thank you. But now that it has been pointed out, I, I think I have actually had experience of that. Right. <laughs> I, I think when I was a kid, that happened. I've, I've got a dim memory of like not in fact not plastic ones but little very thin sort of balsa woody ones or something but the same what? principle yeah like very thin bits of wood which is probably why they're not around anymore but um yeah so sorry everyone but just couldn't remember that now other things that dave got wrong and this is a thing that dave always gets wrong which is hilarious because he's a numbers man dave well, got your maths wrong didn't you dave well kind of i mean first disclaimer i'm not a numbers man really i've kind of forced myself to have to do some numbers but a bloody arts graduate in the first place mate me like i don't really know numbers and as has become clear when i tried to explain the concept of averages and heather mack very kindly tweeted in and said that no dave um, you got your maths wrong. I shan't really go into it. Go back and listen to the Easter eggs episode when we're talking about the number of Easter eggs that every child gets when I make something up about an average. And I, I, I was listening back to that edit and I thought, I know some git's going to write in about this. And only Don't one person did. Don't say that about Heather. Only Heather Don't did. Don't say that about Heather. Heather, you're a git, but you're a, a nice git. Thank you for doing <laughs> But you're our git. You're our git. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. All right. Yes. Yes. Good. Oh, Fine. Look, he's defensive. He's defensive. Right. 
That is just about it. Before we go, I want to remind you about competition that we set out. Uh, we want to hear the biggest babble that you have encountered, particularly sort of broken promises when broken promises, governments yeah. or companies or whatever have said, oh, yes, we're definitely going to do this thing. And then when you're not looking, they don't do it or they do something completely different and worse. If you send us in a brilliant example, we will send you some dead insects. How about that? Yes, well, there's a competition in association with the lovely people at Small Giants Crackers. Small Giants are crackers made out of insects. Go back and listen to episode 154 for what happens when I'll eat some insects live on air. Very good. Now, if you want to send in those examples or anything else, you can do so by emailing hello at sustainababble.fish. You can tweet us at the Babble Wagon. You can just search Facebook for Sustainababble. But of course, you can also give us cash. Uh, you can go to Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash sustainababble. And you can wang us the cost of a pint. A pint which quite soon here in the UK we're going to be allowed to have. We might even be allowed into a pub. Not into a pub, outside a pub to freeze in this Arctic (laughs) spring. I'll take it. I will take it. I would would take having to sit naked outside the Royal (laughs) Albert in Crystal Palace drinking a pint of Boddington's through my nose. You'd probably get a table to yourself if you did that as well. It'd be lovely. (laughs) You probably would. Not not in Crystal Palace you wouldn't, mate. (laughs) Thank you very much to everyone who gives us cash. Uh, we really appreciate it, as Dave has already said. And thank you to Dickie Moore for the music that begins, ends and intertwinkles this podcast. Do check out his band Bearcraft in all the usual places. And thank you to the splendiferous Arthur Stovall, who does our logo, uh, which is on our website and on our T-shirts that you can buy from our website, www.sustainababble.fish. Right, good. Now, we have been on the, probably I think, the longest single run of Babel we've ever done. I don't think we've stopped for about six months, something like that. Um, Yes, so we're going to have a wee bit of a break, as we like to do, so that we can recharge our Babel sticks. Uh, We will be back at the start (laughs) of May. So that we don't accidentally plan entire episodes that we've done only six months prior. (laughs) Precisely, yes. So we're going to have a little sleep and a think about what we've done and a recharge. We'll be back at the start of May. Um, In the meantime, make your way through the archive, find out some new things go back and listen to interesting chats with interesting people have a good time and keep your chin up yes absolutely do keep your chin up it is tough out there it's tough caring about this stuff but good things are happening as well um and you're all great people and we love you so yeah chin up chin up all chin up dave bye bye Well, it all comes down to mostly helping people. And because it's one of the most pressing issues of our time, it's connected to so many other problems that we as a collective need to solve. It's a social justice, racial justice, and gender equality issue. It connects to healthcare, housing, human rights, food insecurity, and child poverty. It's a complex and overwhelming issue that cannot be solved with one technology or one grand idea or one person. It needs broad collective action. Some people have been doing the work and we need to recognize and support those people more. But we also need to recognize that some people can barely survive. We need to recognize that those least responsible for the climate crisis are the ones bearing most of the burden for it. It also matters because we need to help every aspect of this beautiful planet we call home. The outdoors is such a calming place to be and we should protect it. To sum it up, it's because I believe in a more happy, inclusive, equitable future for all. 
and we need to address the climate crisis if we want to get to that more equitable future. As of right now, I found that it's a little less stressful when you realize you don't need to do it alone. We will work as a community.